This podcast is a project of the Massachusetts Cultural Council, a state agency committed to building creative communities and inspiring creative minds. But, but when you break down making a dance, it's, it's usually um, we, we uh, uh, play with leadership and followership, which is a direct correlation to, to working on a team wherever you are. But more often, it boils down to teaching them how to do simple equivalences of ideas and physical detail. Hello, I'm Anita Walker at the Massachusetts Cultural Council, and welcome to Creative Minds Out Loud. Our guest today is Peter DeMuro. He is executive director of the Dance Complex and artistic director of Peter DeMuro Public Displays of Motion. And welcome to our program. Thank you for having me. So I'm going to start just with a real easy setup question. Tell us about the Dance Complex. Well, the Dance Complex is uh, housed in this beautiful old 1884 building in the center of Central Square. And dance has been a part of this building since the 1880s. Uh, the Odd Fellows who uh, built the hall had uh, public dances and all that in it. There was an aerobic studio during the 70s and early 80s. And then in the early 90s, uh, Roseanne Krauss, our founder, uh, stormed the front door because the building had been foreclosed by the bank and boarded up. And uh, she and others coerced the uh, city government of Cambridge as well as the banks to give uh, the down payment or lend the down payment for the beginnings of the Dance Complex, uh, uh, Inc. And we've been there, it's our 25th year this year, and, uh, and so we're on the uh, boards of uh, celebrating 25 and dancing on. So we want to reflect on the past and, and use that uh, reflection and action to go into the future. And what's neat about it is it's kind of a co-op. I mean, everybody pitches in and, yeah. and dancers are always looking for space right, and right. dance floors. Talk about how that sure, works. Sure, sure. The model, the business model, which was set up years ago, uh, is very cooperative in the sense that uh, all the artists who, uh, who book space there, or I should say most of the artists that book space there, uh, rent the space directly. It's like a timeshare in a condo in Florida. You know, you go for a week. <laughs> well, we only rent them by the hour and a half yeah. or two hours. And uh, so they are able to make all the profit from that class uh, and take the risk in, the, in that way. We also uh, cap the, uh, for the general public, we cap the uh, admission price to class. Uh, by keeping the rental prices low for the artists, we then ask the, uh, the dance artists to keep their prices low for class, so everybody uh, wins on this. It's not, it has to um, fall on our heads uh, on staff to be creative on how else to make money, but we don't want to make it off the backs of artists who are already strapped. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so I'm looking at my notes here, and I'm seeing something about Whole Foods, and I'm thinking, Dance and Whole Foods. How does this mashup go sure. together? So, uh, so I have this double life, as you mentioned earlier. One is as the uh, as an administrator, and I hope it's a creative uh, way of making uh, the dance complex happen. But my artistic life, I run uh, Peter Demiro Public Displays of Motion. Uh, prior to that, I was with Liz Lerman Dance Exchange in Washington D.C. for uh, 15 years. Ran that company for a while. And we did some corporate work during those days. And uh, so uh, when I got here, we, I had uh, someone recommended me to Whole Foods, actually a former intern who had uh, worked under uh, me at, uh, at Dance Exchange in Washington. And I did a series, I can't remember, I think it was 10 or 11 workshops uh, in the fall two years ago, where we brought managers from different Whole Foods from all throughout New England, and we made dances together. And uh, Now, and, wait a minute. Just, you have 
grocery store managers coming into a room with you and you say we're going to make dances together. That's right. And That's what do they say at first? Well, uh, I, I have to warm them up a little bit, right? <laughs> you know, and I can be charming. I got that Midwestern charm, you know, I've cultivated. And uh, and I get them to trust me. We play, uh, you know, some speaking and, and a theater game type uh, trust building things as well. But but when you break down making a dance, it's it's usually um, we we uh, uh, play with leadership and followership, which is a direct correlation to to working on a team wherever you are, and so uh, so that they lead and they follow, and so somebody has their eyes closed and somebody has their eyes open, and hopefully it's the person with the eyes open oh. that does the leading, <laughs> and then there's shape making, and we make shapes, and uh, and sometimes the shapes are are related to the grocery store, you know, like how, how do you stand at the register, how what's you know your good posture for that. Uh, but more often, it boils down to teaching them how to do simple equivalences of ideas and physical detail in the, in the store. And uh, I usually, in those workshops, I'd say, you've learned all these little tools to make a dance. Talk among the uh, team of you. We put them in teams of four or five. And uh, talk about the kitchen you grew up in. What were the smells in that kitchen? What, were, what did your family make for dinner? What was the wallpaper like? Uh, uh, and this is where they find out about each other because you think you know somebody when you work with them. But these teams were very diverse people. But uh, to hear the guy say, I didn't have a kitchen, we grew up cooking around a bonfire uh, on an island off the coast of whatever, and you can see the the startled eye, you know look in the in their coworkers, and they start to know each other. And so through this um, uh, this question interviewing uh, process, you find out so much more about people because you have a task at hand. The task I got to make a dance. The the context is the kitchen. And all of a sudden, that makes sense for Whole Foods, right? So uh, it's a, a terribly bonding experience, I think, for these folks. And uh, and I do think that at the beginning, there are some skeptical eyebrows. Uh, they have to take this. They were, you know, they have to they <laughs> have to be required at the par as part of their retreat. But I would say, out of those workshops, uh, there was one recalcitrant fellow who just crossed his arms the whole time. And I usually say to somebody like that, just paste a smile on your face, <laughs> just so you look like you're enjoying it. I don't care if you really do, you know. But more often than not, people love it. So. And they don't just say, but I can't dance. Right. Well, and that's where we try to break down uh, uh, dance, uh, is that we have this idea that choreographers um, are all these means, mean people with canes and <laughs> sticks. And, and I experienced a lot of that growing up, actually. So the stereotype might be true. But in reality, there's a whole element of dance. Like at the dance complex, we have 1,400 people a week that come through that door minimally. And I would say there are probably a 1,000 of those are non-professional dancers who might take an African class for a spiritual release during the week. Um, we have a slew of people who take flamenco, uh, uh, who are or not of these specific, you don't have to be Spanish to do flamenco, or you don't have to be African or African-American to do African class. Oh, there's a mix of ages and, and people. And it's this idea that movement releases endorphins. It releases, uh, people can think better when they're moving. And so I feel like there's many reasons to come to movement that's not that's different than, and it's not a cut against Zumba or the, going to the gym, but it's different. It, there's a poetic and a metaphoric connection to dance that allows people to place, um, to make uh, some kind of organization in their life, sorting through the problems that you can't always do when you're just on the treadmill and, and those kind. You get more anxious. I get it's like chewing gum. I get more anxious when I chew gum. Well, and it's boring. Yeah, it's boring, right? <laughs> well, isn't it great to think of the the little stories and the big stories in our lives? 
And that's what happens when you're in an African class and the, the drums are going, and it's, it's quite moving. I, I, hear, I hear everything in the building because <laughs> we have to work on our sound containment. But uh, I hear flamenco above me, and then I hear the African class next to me, and then the kids, uh, uh, the Isadora Duncan uh, uh, kids, uh, you know, with the scarves. You don't hear them so much, but they're really cute to, to watch. You know, one of the things I really like about this is I feel like we, uh, in our culture, have done such a super-duper job of separating the ordinary person from art. Art has to take place on a stage. Stage, It's what professional people do. And um, if I'm not professionally trained, I can't right, right. make a tune on the piano or sing right. or dance. Mm -hmm. And you're saying that dance can be part of work, part of a yeah. lot of different yeah. things. I, th I think there's a lot in our country, uh, and it's, it's challenging and as we um, go forth, but, uh, to flatten the hierarchies around things. And I think we've seen in all the arts, uh, the museum world, the um, uh, the music world and the dance world especially, theater somehow because it talks at you and it has more dialogue, it, I think it's an it's a easier place to connect. But somehow um, I think different eras of artists and art makers enjoyed that kind of elevation and, and, and figured, well, it must be good because it's mysterious. And I'm all about demystifying dance, demystifying the process. When you come to see a, a, a work of dance on stage, to understand that it's it's speaking to you the way music speaks to you sometimes, that there may not be a beginning, middle, end to a story, but it might be a collage of thoughts that are, are put out in movement. Um, you don't expect classical music to tell you a story, but you, re you react in, um, uh, in feeling and, and your senses get, get peaked in different ways. So, so I, I'm, uh, I'm an advocate for that. And I think especially, um, I love children and I think they're great. And I think we spend a lot of time um, uh, educating uh, kids with dance. But it's when you hit puberty and above. It's it's almost you need more um, application of dance literacy for adults because uh, we get um, we're, we're a little still puritanical perhaps in New England, and we want to make sure that that the body is in movement in space and it doesn't feel foreign to you. Um, and so I love the idea that there are professional dancers, but there's a whole spectrum of people who enjoy. So when we think about the various art forms and disciplines, one that we worry about more than ever is dance. Mm. Why is it that dance always seems so fragile among the art forms? Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's interesting. I, I, I'm I'm a, uh, been doing this about three and a half decades now. Oh, that's hard to believe. I'm only 36. Uh, <laughs> I, and I, I've seen cycles where dance is supported um, uh, uh, you know, from the from the training level into the production level uh, to uh, to the touring level internationally, and um, and I feel like what happens is that that if if the dance shelf life for most dancers, you know, is is twelve years, maybe fifteen. Uh, uh, I'm lucky because I work with intergenerational folks, so my company is ages twenty something to sixty eight in the core company, as was the Dance Exchange from Washington. It was it was that range, but more often than not, it's a small amount of time to get a lot of work done. And so you have a lot of turnover, and people want to see buildings. They want to hold on to the the logistics. They want to hold on to a script for the theater or the or the or the score of music. Dance is more ephemeral. Um, I do think there's a shift now. Now the video is so so big. Um, so you think you can dance, and even Dancing with the Stars, which mm -hmm. I actually enjoy more than uh, So You Think You Can Dance, because you see these celebrities really go through this vulnerable place, and I think that teaches you a lot. Like, some of them are really bad, <laughs> <laughs> and, and yet most of them improve. And so I feel like there's the technological age, I think, can help us a lot, but it does take uh, an investment of, uh, uh, of um, 
dancers in studios working. It takes our studio owners to realize that to teach a combination is not teaching all of what dance, dancers need to know. They need to be able to think. They need to be able to have a conversation with somebody who works at Whole Foods and to, to become a dimensional human being so that they can be dimensional dancers. And that's, that to me is also a, uh, a goal. Very, very exciting. Whole Foods, another reason <laughs> to um, go get your apples there. Mm -hmm. um, Peter DeMiro, Executive Director of the Dance Complex and Artistic Director of Peter DeMiro, Public Displays of Boshan, another one of our creative minds out loud. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. To learn more about this episode and to subscribe, visit creativemindsoutloud.org.